There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another summer bonus episode. I've got a really great interview for you. I was on my friend Amy Smith's podcast. She's been on my show a couple of times. She is wonderful. Um, she is a coach for people who struggle to not only have boundaries, but also find the words to communicate those boundaries. So while she's not, you know, solely focused on romantic relationships, obviously communication and boundaries are an important part of that. Um, but what's funny is with all of my dating and relationship clients, it turns out communication and boundaries show up in platonic relationships and non-romantic relationships. So, um, she's a really great resource to turn to if you do struggle with communicating boundaries, having boundaries, feeling confident and comfortable having boundaries, all of those things. So especially if you feel uncomfortable having boundaries, if you think boundaries makes you push people away, or um, if you kind of have some people pleasing tendencies, she's a gal you definitely want to have in your corner. Um, so Again, this is an episode of me being interviewed on her podcast, but I think you'll definitely get a great sense as to who she is. She's on Instagram as the Joy Junkie. That's her business name as well. So you can go to joyjunkie.com, um, sign up for her stuff. She's great. And again, I wholeheartedly recommend her stuff. Okay. So again, this is me being interviewed on her podcast and, uh, she's interviewing me about money, but I really appreciate this episode because it's not so much like, okay, how do we invest or start doing this? I mean, look, obviously that's important, but I also know that can make people's eyes glaze and glaze over. Um, so she really talked and, and asked me some really great questions about money mindset and how we can balance perhaps wanting more money, perhaps wanting a lot more money, perhaps wanting to be really wealthy um, with some of the inequalities and the negative things that money can do in our society. And so if you struggle with that, you're definitely going to love this conversation. She's just a great interview ask, or interviewer, um, asked me some great questions, and I'm super excited for you to listen. 
Um, we've got one more of these kinds of episodes coming out, I believe, in a couple of weeks with my friend, Dr. Karen. Um, she is a psychologist and she worked with her brother, who is a pastor, and I was on their show. And so I'll also be airing that on my podcast. And then from there, at the end of the month, I'm going to share a little, um, you know, birth story update of postpartum because it's been very different <laughs> from my last kid. Um, and then also a bigger update on what's coming, but I'm actually going to share a little bit of that right now. Um, so this is actually the first podcast that I'm recording post having a baby. Um, so I have a lot more clarity and direction. I think, you know, before in the spring and early summer, I was like, I'm about to have a baby, not really sure what's going on. <laughs> um, it turns out when you have a lot of, when you have a baby, you have a lot of time to, you know, not really like think, but yeah, kind of think because you're just feeding the baby, trying to get the baby to sleep, rocking the baby. So you end up just, you know, being alone with your thoughts, uh, for, you know, a lot of time. And, um, I'm really excited to share that I'm officially going to be launching my new podcast run your money. It'll be on the same feed as this. So if you're listening and subscribed to this episode, you are good to go. You don't need to subscribe anywhere else. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the date I'm going to release it. I wanted it to be the second Monday in September, but that's September 11th. And I don't know, I feel weird. So I might go with that day. I don't really want to push it back. So I might do it the week before, but we'll see. I will be switching episodes to Mondays. Um, you know, I've listened, I have a few podcasts I listen to that release on Mondays and I actually really like it because, um, sometimes I have to wait until later in the week to hear my favorite podcast. I'm like, Oh, I want something now, you know, because I think a lot of podcasts release on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So if everyone's zigging, I'm going to zag. Um, and I might even do two podcasts. I'm not, or two episodes a week. I'm not totally sure. There'll be, if I do that, um, there'll be two shorter episodes. Like one will probably be more like either an you know, one episode will be like a longer form where I'm like teaching on something or interviewing an expert on something. And then the second episode of the week, um, will be probably Q and a, and then, um, I don't know, I'm kind of like noodling on this idea that, you know, I've been pretty active on TikTok even while being on maternity leave. And my following has actually grown quite quickly over there. It's ton, it's tons of fun. It's, it's a crazy land over there in TikTok land, but, um, there, I just never dealt with this in my previous business and, you know, my relationship and dating business, but the amount of men, specifically white men who just feel the need to like nitpick and poke and be like, you don't know what you're talking about or like whatever. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. <laughs> um, it's mostly hilarious, but anyways, so some of the comments are just so fucking hilarious. And so I feel like I have to do a segment on my podcast where I'm like, let's see what the men are saying today. Not that I want to create a war between genders, but it just, to me, like it just highlights how the patriarchy is still very real. Um, because my guess is that a man talking about money on the internet, they're not, you know, leaving these kind of like trolley comments, you know, so that's really my intention or my thought behind maybe having some sort of segment around that. Um, let me just tell you a really funny one. I was posting about, um, early questions you can ask about money in um, in dating and relationships and, um, a guy commented and he goes like, ladies, please listen to me. We think that it's a huge red flag if any woman brings up the topic of money in a relationship. And I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it's just like that kind of stuff. Anyways, 
totally off on a tangent. I'm really excited for you to listen to um, my conversation with my friend, Amy. Anything else I want to update with you? New podcast is coming out um, again in September. Um, And then here's what else I have coming up. So I, um, if you did my run your money workshop in the spring last year, then you know that you got a spreadsheet that kind of or like like a spreadsheet calculator that helps you calculate kind of like how long it'll take you to pay off debt and like how to budget all that kind of stuff. Um, and my husband is diligently working on it and making it even better. So I'm going to be releasing that hopefully in the fall soon. Um, so that's coming and then I will have spots open for for clients soon. I will offer two kinds of offerings. At least this is what I'm thinking. Um, a one-off offering where it's just like, let's fix one part of your money area or one, one area of your money. And then a more fuller offering, which will be six weeks together, where we put together your money blueprint. So we look at all the facets of money. We look at your budget, your savings plan, your investing plan, paying off debt, and then also your relationship to money so that you can make, you know, better decisions moving forward. Um, or I shouldn't say better, but more confident decisions moving forward. Um, so that will be the second offering. And then I think I'm going to do a how to invest workshop sometime in the fall, maybe September, or early October. Um, it's one of the biggest questions and I think hangups. And I think, um, like I've explained it like 10 million ways on, you know, various social media outlets, but I just think that people might need, you know, some more handholding. So that is all coming up um, in September and October and beyond. Um, So make sure you're subscribed to the show so you hear all the updates. I also recommend being on my Run Your Money newsletter because obviously those folks will get the first dibs at everything that I've just talked about, possibly discounts to some of those things that I've just talked about. And also that's where I share the weekly blog, podcast episode, um, where you can submit a question to me that I'll answer. Also, some other fun little things are tucked inside that newsletter, and you can um, sign up for that over at veronicagrant.com forward slash newsletter. Um, And I think that's all I've got for you. So without further ado, let's get to, I should say, I was about to say my conversation with Amy, but it's really Amy's conversation with me. And then I will see you in two weeks. I think two weeks. It might just be one week. I'm not sure. I have it on my calendar in front of me. Either one week or two weeks for the final interview that I'm going to share And then the week after that will be my birth story. And then the week after that, we will get going with the new podcast. Veronica, I'm so excited to have you here and talk about all things money. I've been so enjoying your Instagram stories and posts. And I thought there was a couple of them that recently popped up that would be a great jumping off point for us. However, before we do that, I would love for you to just give everyone a little bit of a background on your financial expertise, because this is something I've heard you talk about that I went, oh, shit, I didn't realize you were. (laughs) It's like when you drop this stuff about, oh, yeah, I worked on Obama's campaign. I'm like, wait, why are you the most (laughs) fascinating woman ever? Um, So talk to me a little bit about your journey with with financial relationships. Yeah. So, well, I think I should say I am a sun and Venus in Capricorn. Uh huh. <laughs> and, you know, regardless of like whatever training I've had in this life, um, clearly I was born to, you know, do this. And I don't mean to like disrespect other Capricorns listening who are like, I'm really bad with money, but somehow it's in my wiring for sure. Um, I started babysitting when I was 
I mean, I think a lot younger than they do now. I think I was like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like a mother's helper. I was like going over there, watching the kids so she could like, you know, do whatever she needed to do. And um, I'm sure I was paid like five or $7 an hour. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're living at home, when you're 10 years old, like that can really begin to add up. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to save half of whatever I make. And then the other half I can just spend on whatever I want. And I don't know exactly how long it took, but it took about probably a year or two. I was only like 11 or 12. And the box that I was keeping my cash in, like literally wasn't big enough anymore because it was just like filled with like ones and fives from, you know, my babysitting. And so I walked into my mom's room and I think I had at least a thousand dollars. Like it was a lot for like, it was a lot for like 11 year old. I was going to this woman's house like probably every day after school. So again, like it adds up. And I was like, mom, I think I should have like a bank account or something for all this money. And she like <laughs> knew I was babysitting and making some money, but she had no idea that I was saving this amount of money in my my room. And um, and so ever since then, like I've just been not just saving, but just like really interested in money and how we relate to money and optimizing money and, you know, all of those things. I had a 401k the first day of my first job. Um, I have always loved budgeting and looking at money and projections and saving and, but I'm also deeply interested in how we, um, how we relate to, to money because while I've always been really good at the managing part, I will say that my, my relationship with money has been another, you know, journey. And, you know, just like most people probably I've struggled with, you know, Oh, is this enough? Do I have enough? Even though there was always and definitely enough in the bank account, um, and so, and then of course, like having my own business just brought up all this other money stuff that I never even knew happened. Um, and I just, so I just find that part endlessly, you know, just fascinating. Um, and then I just, I just love talking about money because I think that money is misunderstood. I think it's seen as this thing that is either good or bad or evil. Um, or my mom, I remember my mom always called it a necessary evil. And, um, I just like to see it as, a tool, right? Like a hammer is a tool and a hammer can build a house. A hammer can kill somebody, right? So it's a matter of like how you use it. And so I think money is very much the same thing. Um, Money can do amazing things for humanity and society and yourself and the environment, all of these things. And it can also cause a lot of harm. Um, And Hmm. I just want to, you know, unpack it all and we can just dive right in. Did you, but then you are a certified financial advisor. Is that right? So you yeah, so I'm a certified financial consultant. Yeah. Okay. And it's really funny because I was taking those, I was doing the coursework and to be honest, like I just did the coursework to have the letters, <laughs> you sure, know what I mean? Sure. Like I'm like, okay, this stuff, like whatever. And I remember, well, most of the teachers were all white males. And I remember thinking, or I remember one time he was <clears throat> he was talking and he was talking a little bit about business, best business practices and just p- best practices in general. And he was like, well, you can talk about politics and your marketing if you want, but we recommend you don't. And I'm thinking like, I mean, you know, I used to talk a lot about dating and relationships and you can definitely weave how politics influences that space for sure. Like money is like a direct like correlation to what, like how much you pay in taxes and, and how much things cost. Like this is literally like on bills that politicians are talking about. So I was just like, okay, there's definitely a need in the marketplace for the perspective and the voice that I have in this area. 100%. I got really excited when you 
uh, started amplifying this messaging a lot more intensely. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait to talk to you about this stuff. And something we were talking about before we hit record was how you're coming to the understanding and realization that a majority of Americans, I would also say disproportionately women, aren't educated at all about their finances. So the things that feel like a no-brainer to you based off of your acumen to a majority of us are like, oh shit, I had no idea. And when I think about that, it's like, well, how the fuck would we? How yeah. would we? There's it's so by design. Many, yeah. So it, it's totally by design. And I've heard you talk about that a number of times. So I'd like to talk about two two different posts you put up and and part of the three steps that you analyzed were similar for both of them. So you asked a question of uh, three or, or posed the concept of three ways to work with a scarcity mindset and then three ways to feel less stress about money. And both of those you talked about know that it's by design and unpack your money story. Those were two yeah. of the steps. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the understanding that it's by design. And then specifically, I would like to hear, do you have a perspective on how to grapple with that being the reality and still being empowered instead of like, woe is me, victim, here's the cards that I've been dealt? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me start with the the first part. So the first, just a really simple example is the fact that I think a lot of women get socialized that it's taboo to talk about money or that it's inappropriate or that um, it makes you shallow or greedy. Um, and this can happen on, you know, this can happen within family systems. So this could be directly tied to your money story. Like you literally could have had parents that say like, money conversation. It's not appropriate. We don't talk about that. It's, mm -hmm. it's not appropriate. But that's rude. Yeah. It's rude to talk about how much money you have or how much money you make or, or, or ask about someone else's money or whatever. And so then rather than having nuance as to like when it might be appropriate to talk about money and when it's not, it's just like, oh, all money is bad or all talk about money is, is bad. Um, so I think that's, mm. that's an example. Um, and this can get translated into the workplace. Like, oh, I'm not going to ask other people how much they're paid. I think there's a reason why, I mean, one thing that I'm really strong advocate for, I'm creating a post around this actually, is salary transparency. Yes. My my husband works for the US government and like, you can look him up right now if you wanted to and see how much money he makes. And there's this, and there's a scale based on where you live and how many years you've been in. It's like, it's called the GS system. And you know exactly how much you're going to get paid and how much everyone else around you get paid. And I think all corporations should be operating yes. like that. Um, cause I'm convinced actually at my first job that the person, my counterpart, he was a male. I'm convinced he got paid more than me, but mm -hmm. I don't know, know that for sure. It's just, I don't know. I have a feeling. Um, so, so that's, that, that's one, one example of, of why I think a lot of women just don't know about money. I think another thing that is, is related to that is, well, money management or learning about money or investing isn't for me. And the reason could be numerous. But when you see like whatever you might just whatever you might think of as like as a rich person or a quote unquote successful person, if your worth is wrapped up in that, you're probably at some point putting those people on some sort of maybe not pedestal. There might not be the exact kind of that's not the exact word, but just some like different plane than you are like, oh, that's for them. But but not for me. I'm just trying to make 
things work. I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to like, you know, save a little in my emergency fund, you know, which is the thing some a lot of people do know about. Um, rather than think, oh, well, maybe those people became rich. Maybe, sure, they probably had some privilege behind them, but also they might have become or stayed rich because they learned how to invest. They learned how to manage money in an optimal way. Um, but there's no like thought process around that because there's just like this, there's us versus them or there's me. Yeah. And then there's other people who, you know, deserve for whatever reason to be rich or have more money than I do or whatever. So this is, this is a combination of certainly by design. And I also think um, it could be, again, it could be wrapped up in your money story. Um, If like, I, like, for example, I grew up in a house where we were definitely upper middle class, but I thought we were poor. (laughs) Uh And, and I didn't really realize that we weren't poor until I was probably in middle school, seventh or eighth grade or so when I began looking around thinking, oh, I don't think we're actually poor. So the way that money was talked about is going to have a huge influence on what you believe to be true about yourself and your relationship with money and what you can do with money and what's right with money, what's wrong with money and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And what was the second part of your question? I can't remember. (laughs) Well, just how do you, I struggle sometimes with being so frustrated with the systems that are, are at play. Yeah. And recognizing and acknowledging that as, as a real systemic problem and at the same time, not leaning on that from a victim mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And and I find sometimes it's not just with with this topic. Sometimes it's with feminism. It's mm-hmm. Sometimes it's with activism in some form where I'm like, how do we toe that line of like, yeah, we've gotten real shitty messages about money as women. Allowing that to be true. And at the same time, taking active steps, maybe I just kind of answered my own question there of. Yeah. I mean, this is something I think about every single day and it's, it's challenging because I feel like on every single one of my posts, maybe not every single one, but like most of them, there's a part of me that wants to put some sort of caveat because there's privilege and pretty much all personal finance advice, right? Because like, if you literally cannot make ends meet. And I'm not talking about like, there's a lot of people who make six plus figures and live paycheck to paycheck. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who literally like the system has royally screwed over and they can't make ends meet. Um, Personal finance is probably not going to be what that person needs. Do you know what I mean? What that person needs is, is they need assistance from Mm -hmm. what I believe to be the government and, you know, other people's nice too, but really it needs to be the government so that there's systematic change. Yeah. Um, Subsidies, et cetera. Exactly. 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 So I think that's important to say because a lot of personal finance experts, I realize don't like to say that they just think, oh, well, you know, anyone can just Mm -hmm. learn this stuff and then become rich or whatever. Um, But the way that I grapple with it is that there's in my mind, like there's two types of uh, we might call revolutionaries. And there's some people who just want to burn the whole system down. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who are like, okay, let's just fix the system we have because honestly, that's most realistic. Okay. And I just firmly like find myself in that camp, you know, cause there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that I see around the internet that talk about like anti-capitalism mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's really cool and interesting. And I'm happy to learn about it. And I want to learn from you. In fact, 
except I don't know what the alternative is that you have in mind because <laughs> right. nothing else has really worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so I'm like, okay, instead of just like burning down everything, one, let's learn how to navigate the system so that we don't get repeatedly screwed over. And then number two, once more people are informed and empowered, and we do live in a society where money equals power, again, whether you like it or not, that's just mm-hmm. where it is. And so sure. if there's other groups of people other than white men who have power, then that can really change some things um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, right? Like it can change things economically because if there's other groups of people other than, again, white men who have all the money, then you might be able to make different decisions about like where you buy your groceries or not buying everything on Amazon because you can afford to shop locally or black owned business more or whatever it is, right? Because usually mom and pop shops are going to be more expensive than something like Amazon or Walmart, right? So that's just one way. Um, When you have more money, then you have more money to give to causes or other people who need that money and that can help them get their leg up, you know, so that they can then, you know, raise their, their own, you know, where they are socioeconomically. Um, And then it also is political power, right? Because if you have more money, then you might be able to run for an office yourself, especially like a local office, because that's where a lot of, you know, the systemic problems happen Mm -hmm. in our society. It gives you the power to, um, it gives you the power to donate to other candidates that you might be interested Mm -hmm. or, you know, have similar values. So I think that everyone who can, who has the privilege to learn about this topic and then also utilize it so that they can increase their wealth and optimize their money in different ways. Um, Honestly, I think we have an obligation to because the financial system really is designed to um, benefit those at the top. You know, that's just how it is. And when there's more people that are able to get, you don't even have to be at the very top, but just getting closer to the top then you're giving yourself more power to create some of these changes within the system. And again, like, that's just like a, that's just like a hill I'll die on. Like, I'm just not like someone that's like, let's burn everything down and start over because. It's just not realistic. That's the Capricorn in you for sure. Like, it's just not realistic. (laughs) If I was like an Aquarius, I'd probably be like a totally different kind of uh, (laughs) financial um, consultant, but I'm just, you know, I'm just not, I'm definitely Capricorn through and through and I own it. And, you know, again, like, I'm not like, screw all those people that want to burn things down. Like, I mean, like they're doing good work too. And I enjoy learning from them and I want to learn from them because I do think it's important to broaden my own perspective and my blind spots and all that kind of stuff. But um, at least within like my lifetime, like capitalism isn't going away. Plus, like if you're on Instagram talking about being an anti-capitalist, like, well, you are on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) List out the ways you benefit. Um, So I, I have a question for you because we've talked about the money story a little bit and the way I I have definitely fallen prey to you got to change your money mindset. And like 15 years ago was all about the secret. And you thought you could just like think your way into anything that you wanted. And there's a lot of toxic positivity. There's a lot of spiritual bypassing that happens there. But I would love to hear from you, your distinction between a money story and a money mindset. Because to me, unpacking my money story is finding the detrimental beliefs that I attach to around money that's no longer serving me. And then changing that into a belief system that 
that works towards the relationship I want to have with money, to me, that is my money mindset. Mm-hmm. So so I'm curious if you have a way that, you, or or is it the way that it's been demonized? I think I should, that's I, it for me. I shouldn't yeah. say demonized. Um, The way that, I hate to use the word bastard. I don't, I hate that word. Um, But the way that it has been sullied in the marketplace yeah, uh, it, it, because it it is presented kind of spiritual bypassy. Like just think your think your way into millions. But I'm curious for you the distinction between unpacking a money story and the money mindset buzz phrase. Yeah, and I think honestly that's the part that I grapple with. It's not necessarily like the phrase itself, money mindset, because like yeah, like technically I guess we are talking about our money mindset, like the way your mind is set on money. Right. Um, but you know, your money story, I think is it's, it's really like, to me, the way I just distinguish between the two is it's actually talking through it either with, you know, a coach or, um, a friend or a therapist or in your own journal and just really unpacking, like, why, why is it that as soon as I get money, I have to spend it? Or why is it that I'm so terrified of spending any money, that I even feel guilty when I, you know, buy groceries or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then you're, you, you know, you're really looking at like, okay, well, what does this remind me of? Or who said things like this to me? Like you're, it's it's more of a conversation internally. To me, the way money mindset has been packaged. And again, I think that could be money mindset work on a very technical level, but like the way that money mindset has been packaged, it's been like, oh, fix your money mindset or get over these money blocks or whatever. And it, and it's just presented in this way of like, you know, repeat these mantras or or say these affirmations and, you know, imagine yourself like opening up your bank account and like seeing like a million dollars or whatever, you know, the number is is there. And then, you know, then you can create your reality from there. So I think that is the way that money mindset is packaged a lot. And then my other than like that, just being kind of magical thinking, which has a lot of, you know, I have a lot of issue with the other thing about your, your money mindset or the idea of your money mindset is that it's very similar or it's it's akin to like kind of the bootstrap mentality, Mm -hmm. um, or the myth of the American dream. Like anyone can just pull themselves up by the bootstraps and climb the ladder of success. And obviously like people do it, there are unicorns, but like for the most part, there are systemic issues that make class mobility, at least in the US, very, very low, even lower than places like the UK, which like literally has like an upper class. Right. <laughs> like a royal class. Um, so... that, and they call themselves that. <laughs> exactly. They have more <laughs> class mobility than we do. Um, and you don't even have to like marry into the family or whatever. Anyways, I don't have to get into that. Um, I knew I'd like leave some royal family nonsense in here. So I love <laughs> the royal family. But anyways, um, so I find money mindset work to be very much attached to like law of attraction and money yep. manifestation work. And it's, it's like very similar, but they, it's what's so fascinating to me is I've been thinking about this a lot ever since probably 2020, where a lot of folks that I kind of thought were more on like the left <laughs> politically, mm-hmm. um, you know, really attached themselves to some pretty like MAGA ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to like articulate like, how is this happening? Because like on the surface, yeah. they don't have any similar values. But ultimately, the 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 similarity between the far right and the far left in terms of like the spiritual like money mindset, you know, law of attraction kind of folks is 
it's all like, it's all personal responsibility. Like, you know, the only thing between you and whatever it is you want um, on the right would be hard work. And on the left is your thoughts and beliefs. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's actually a really, really similar way of looking at things. And so for me, I just like to avoid money mindset because like, I don't want to get wrapped up with that super toxic, um, you know, way. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, just that super toxic ploy and like way of looking at money. Um, but again, like your money relation, your relationship to money does matter. When people say like, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were, you know, um, being pretty harsh on money manifestation. And, um, then they were saying, but you know, your money mindset does make a difference. I wasn't going to like lay into them. Like, well, let me tell you why money mindset's so wrong. You know what I mean? Like they just like happen to like, not like see money mindset the way I do. Like, like, I, I think they are presenting it in a way that I would agree with. Um, so it's not the money mindset and specifically, it's just what it gets wrapped up into. I think yeah. are pretty toxic and harmful ideas. I'm thinking about the parallel with the term self care and how that has, has roots actually in black culture and, and things like that specifically around activism and things of that nature, like being able to take care of yourself, even though you're still like kind of fighting the good fight and how it's been molded and shape-shifted so much to mean, give yourself bubble baths. And it's like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. So I do feel very strongly about talking about self-care through a different lens, but I also understand when we're repelled by a specific Like, I fucking hate the term guru. Like, that's one of those that's out there in the personal development space where I'm like, if I have a client who thinks that I'm like their guru and they enjoy that and it's a lovely commendation from them, that's fine. I will never use that as a moniker because that word repels me so much. And it has such a negative connotation with a specific grouping of individuals. And so I think I'm kind of hearing the same thing from you around money mindset But I have heard you talk a lot about scarcity mindset, and Mm -hmm. I would love to talk a little bit about – here's an example. So I know you've always used the caveat of like we're talking about people who actually can make ends meet. Okay, so we're using that sort of as a rubric, a jumping off point. What would you say to somebody who – and I can very much see myself in this in my early 20s. Like – madly in love with debt, romancing debt like crazy. And I see some similarities in some folks in my my family where every time we suggest like, oh my gosh, you're so creative at this. Like this one particular person has a brilliant business idea that would absolutely work in the market that he lives in. But every single when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Time we start going, oh, you could start this way, or you could look at this, or so and so has this connection, or there's always a reason why he can't do it. And it's very clear to myself and my husband when we engage with him, we're like, he is really stuck in the it's not for me or the scarcity perspective. And I think a lot of people can relate out there. What do you tell people, or what's like the the nucleus, Where's where do we need to start if that's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So other than like the, it's by design kind of thing, right? Like, you know, one thing, you know, even though I'm not anti-capitalist, I will certainly criticize the system. And one thing that the system does is you, you are constantly bombarded with messages that like, whatever you have or whatever you, whoever you are, or whatever you look like, it's not enough. Right. Yes. So this this is far beyond just just money. Like we just everything is about like getting more or being enough or whatever. And so we do live in a society where, you know, you, you think you have this much money. Well, it's not enough. Um, and uh, so I think that just gets so deeply ingrained, especially for women. But I think it can happen really honestly to anyone because we're all living in this capitalist society. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is that you know, if you think about, if you look at Maslow hierarchy of needs, um, money is tied to like the base of the pyramid, which is basic food, shelter, Mm -hmm. like your basic needs. And at this point, like, yeah. So I have no idea if at this point money is like wired into into our DNA, or it's just like so infiltrated in our heads because like money is so essential to getting just your basic needs met. I think the number one thing, well, other than like knowing that it's by design, um, but the other thing is just recognizing like, yeah, if you were to run out of money or if you don't have money to pay your bills, that's a really, really scary situation. You know, it just, it just is. And I think that the more you're able to acknowledge um, for, you know, anyone listening or, you know, you know, I know for myself, this has really helped me a lot with the scarcity mindset, but because the more like, you know, again, like the money mindset and money manifestation is like, you know, just use these affirmations or like think this way or like have an abundance mindset or like all that kind of stuff, but it completely bypasses the reality that like, we just need money. You know, you need, you need money. And so if you can acknowledge just like, yeah, this feels, this feels really scary. So what do I need to have in place in order to do this other thing that feels scary? So that in case this other thing doesn't happen, I know that I have some sort of net to fall back on. Cause we all know, at least in the United States, the safety net sucks, right? Mm -hmm. So we do need to have our own safety net. Um, And I think when you start from that place, it's not that you're a scarcity mindset or your fear around money, is going to go away completely. But I think you can then begin to trust yourself a little bit more like, okay, I can, I can do this, or I can spend this money, or I can invest this or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Cause I have, you know, at least this much that I can fall back on. And I know what I can do then to generate more money, whether it's like going back to my old job or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I would say. Yeah. That's, it's, it's so fascinating for me to th- to be talking to you about this stuff because I I do see it 
I see, I absolutely see both sides of it because I've, I've seen when I've changed my relationship to money or how I view it, or even my relationship to my past story and how that has absolutely influenced abundance for me in my life. However, I don't feel like it is a soundproof science the way that manifestation tries to tout that it is. I think there's stuff that's luck. I think there's stuff that's just happenstance. Um, I think there's a shit ton of it that's privilege or not. I think it's about, do you have the support in your family? Like there's so many, so many different elements to it. But I would love to hear from you. What are some of the most common obstacles that people bring to you from their money story? Like what are some common themes you hear from from people's money story? Um, well, I think money scarcity is by far the- Like it's hard not, to come by? Yeah, or or like I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to run out of it or I'm not going to have enough or whatever I have is never enough. Um, I think that's by far the the number one. And I think also it's number one that I don't even hear about because I think there's, and you know, you probably have experienced this, like if you're selling a program or something and someone says like, oh, like, you know, I don't have the money for it. Sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's just a fear around spending the money either on themselves or something that feels quote unquote frivolous or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think another thing that's really common is just money wasn't really talked about. So it wasn't like necessarily a good or a bad thing. It was just like, again, just not talked about. And so then when those clients grew up, whereas as adults, like they're like, oh, well, yeah, just, you know, I have a job. So money appears in my bank every two weeks (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I spend it and then I get more money in two weeks. And there, there hasn't been this awareness of like, oh, but if I want to buy a home or if I want to retire one day, or if I want to go on expensive vacation or if I want to do anything else, like have an emergency fund or whatever, like I actually need to think through things. And so just like the idea of like thinking through, you know, budgets and thinking about money and how you want to optimize it and how you want to use it for joy for right now, but then also use it for the future um, is like this totally new, like, whoa, <laughs> kind of kind of thing. And I would say the third, and this is probably a, a lot less common, is people feeling feeling really, really uncomfortable with mm-hmm. money. And so like they'll get money, um, especially if it's like an unexpected source, like maybe like from mom for Christmas or something. And then like there's just money in the bank and they're like, oh my God, I feel so uncomfortable. So you just blow it. Uh-huh. Right. And so, or, you know, this is very common with people who, again, make like a good salary, like close to six figures, if not more, but have like zero savings. Like there's money in the bank. That's like really, really uncomfortable. And that bumps up against a direct like self-worth thing. Like who am I to have this much money or it's not safe to have this much money. If I have this much money, I can lose it or someone can come take it or someone's going to ask me to borrow and I don't want to give it to them. So I'm just going to spin it instead. Right. There's, there's lots of Mm -hmm. reasons for that backstory. Um, But just like having a discomfort with like any kind of money. And so you just spend it is it's, you know, it's common, but not as common as the other, the other two. I think my biggest money story that I ever uncovered was around that it's difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. And like, I never had that. I never had that belief, even, even though I, I heard my mom would always say, oh, well, they've got buku bucks. And she would say it really, (laughs) really snarky. Like if someone was rich, oh, well, they've got buku bucks. 
<laughs> and well, I'm sure they don't have to worry about it because they got buku bucks. Um, and so, so I, there was definitely, I mean, I grew up essentially as a missionary family. So we had people who would like drop off clothes on our porch, you know, and I would get hand-me-downs and stuff. All the meanwhile, I'm going to these Christian schools on like scholarships. So I'm with kids in the nineties who had cell phones, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, they're like Zach Morris. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I went to school with like all the Zach Morris and the Kelly Kapowskis and all of that. But I think for me, that was one of the most difficult things to unpack was recognizing that I'm incredibly good at organizing. I'm incredibly good at details and not missing things. Why would I think that this topic would be any less? And that goes back to that it's by design. It's the man runs that. That's a man's job. You know, men invest, women don't. And and so for me, it was it was that that I so I was very abusive towards my money through the manifestation of neglect. So, yeah. you know, just the same way, like if you neglect a child, that is a form of abuse. And I felt like I was doing the exact same thing in my relationship with my money. And that doesn't make that abused party like, oh, I can't wait to be more for you. Right. So I definitely yeah. had to to grapple with that. But one of the biggest obstacles that I found, and this is one of the reasons why I'm really loving what you've been sharing lately is because I feel like every single person I talk to who's an authority on money matters or financial well-being or whatever speaks to me like uh, I feel like they're speaking German and I'm still speaking English. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're saying. I don't understand what that means. And, And I'm paralyzingly visual. So I need somebody to show me a map, like show me the numbers on paper. Don't just tell me. So I find that there's, when I'm searching for information on financial matters, I'm not getting somebody who's meeting me where I'm at and who's educating me on little baby steps so that I can understand what an index fund is versus, you know, whatever else there is, you know, because we've got, we, we call them well, they're the two bobs now. They were the three bobs. If you've seen Office Space, have you seen the movie Office Space? Yeah, but a while ago, who are the bobs? I forget. So they bring in <laughs> they bring in the two bobs who are they're both named Bob, but they they handle oh that's the, right they the, the reorg downsizing. yeah yeah, yeah they're, the they're re, they're doing the reorg. <laughs> so we have there used to be three of them, and they all have like they're all in their sixties or seventies, white men with like white hair. And so I just started calling them the three bobs. Well, one retired. So now they're back to the two bobs. But they they'll tell us like all the things that our money is doing or where it's at or what. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're saying. And I also feel like because a lot of those people reside in that world. And I think you kind of alluded to being the same way. You're so literate in that world that it's unfathomable when somebody doesn't even know the alphabet yet. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Like, I'm like, I need the alphabet. I need C, Jane, jump. Like, I need it real basic. I can't be reading like Moby Dick over here. So what are your thoughts on that as far as shifting the educational space around money? 
Yeah. Because that's been one of my biggest hesitancies is I'm like, no one's speaking to me in the language I can understand. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I know this is a phrase you've been saying over and over again, but I think that's another thing that's by design. Okay. It is a financial industry profits based on you not knowing what's going on. Right. It's kind of akin to like the stereotypical, like female going to get her car fixed and the, and the car guy's like, oh yeah, you need to get like this fixed. And and, and like, they just assume. And sometimes correctly that you, they have, you have no idea what they're talking about. And then they charge you more, right. Yeah. For unnecessary work or charging too much or whatever. Um, and the financial industry is um, really similar. And honestly, I mean, it does happen, I think a lot with women, but even, you know, my dad was telling me about his financial advisor and I was like, oh God, <laughs> you know, um, because, well, okay. Um, for most people, you can manage your own money and you might need to work with an advisor or consultant from time to time to get some advice. But for the most part, like, unless you're like super wealthy, like Kim Kardashian, you know, you can manage your own money and it, and so like, it honestly keeps some people in business by like, oh, I need to manage your money for you. And here's why. And they're telling you all these things that you can't corroborate or not because you don't know if it's true. So a lot of financial advisors, for example, will or money managers will tell you that they can manage your money for you and they can beat the stock market. And like, none of that's true. Like no one can beat the stock market, right? If you're talking about like having someone manage your retirement fund, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but they benefit from you believing that because then you're going to pay them. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's even further manipulation because they'll say, oh, and it'll just cost you 1% a year. So if you're not making any money, I don't make any money because it's only 1%. Right. But then the way because of, of how compounding interest works, that's actually that can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of your mm -hmm. portfolio and like how many years we're talking and your age and all that kind of stuff. So it can be a lot of money. Um, and wow. so I think I think there's a reason. Um, and And then also. I was actually just thinking about this because last week I taught a pay off your debt um, workshop and, um, you know, like, like people have heard of credit scores. You might know approximately what your credit score is, but you might not know who comes up with it and how it's created. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that affects your credit is how often you open a new credit mm -hmm. card. Right. So like if every time you go into like Macy's or whatever store is going to try to sell you on like their department credits, you know, credit card so that you can save however much money during that, that trip. Um, it seems like, Oh yeah, that's so easy. Like you're going to do it for me, like just right here. And I get to save 50 bucks. Like, great. Why not? Well, like what the credit companies don't want you to know is every time you open a credit card that actually hurts your credit, even though they want you to take credit cards because that's how they make money. So it's like a really, really messed up system, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and and again, it's all by design because then a lot of people get a lot of money from yeah. you not knowing or not understanding or feeling like <laughs> um, you're dumb or wrong to ask what are, you know, really, really reasonable questions. Um, I feel like there are some other things I wanted to say about the scenario that you set up, but I think that's the biggest thing. It's just by design. And this is why I'm so passionate about, you know, the, this conversation and just the general work that I'm doing, because I think that, I mean, one, I think it has the power to make people, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on their overall, you know, monies, you know, their size of their money, but then also mm -hmm. just their age. Um, but it can also save people a lot of money. Yeah. Um, 
because, uh, you know, you know, I was just talking about the credit score example, higher, you know, having a low credit score and just having a low credit score. When you have a low credit score, every time you not, not that you're buying cars all the time, but like when you buy a car, you're going to have a higher interest rate. When you buy a home, you're going to have a higher interest rate. And that can cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, not to mention if you are less educated on financial matters, then you're more likely to acquire credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And if your credit score is lower, not only is credit card debt expensive, but if your credit score is low, that, that debt is going to be way more expensive than for someone who has better credit. So again, it's all by design. People are making a lot of money from people not understanding the financial industry. Do you have, and maybe it's your own resource, but I would love to, for somebody to teach me from like the basics. I, I'm like, is there a financial understanding for dummies or <laughs> something like that? <laughs> because truly everybody I've heard that talks about it, I'm like, I need a primer, like just a primer on all of this stuff. And it really, it's very comforting and encouraging to hear you say that that is intentional that yeah. the less you understand, the easier you are to take advantage of. And that is one area that I've really wanted to become more fluent and robust in. So wh what do you think as far as like people you follow, books you read, resources that you think are really advantageous, especially if they are female driven or female focused? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So, well, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but um, my workshop, or I'm I'm putting together a workshop, which will then eventually become a larger, I don't know, community membership, something. Okay. <laughs> um, that that literally does all of this, and that probably will be fall in, in the fall after my um, maternity leave. <laughs> yes. 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 So, um, fall 2023, depending on when this comes out. But uh, so so that's that's just the first, you know, my own resource. Um, so the, you know, it's, 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 it's a bunch of different people. So, um, my first, uh, financial people that I read and followed, the very first one was Susie Orman. And I, I really loved her and I still do. And I, I respect her, um, because she came up in this world when it was even more male dominated than it is today. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all of her perspectives. A lot of her, a lot of her advice is like focus on only buying your needs and not your wants, right? Like she makes you feel like okay. you shouldn't spend anything, anything, you know, outside of your needs. And if you do, like, probably can't afford it, and you should probably just put that towards retirement, right? And and I'm okay. like, that doesn't feel very fun, nor does it feel very sustainable. Um, but like the core tenants she has around, you know, teaching you about index funds and retirement you know, she's spot on, like, and this stuff isn't complicated, right? Like if someone's making it really, really complicated, they're doing that on purpose to, mm -hmm. to confuse you or to get you to buy whatever service or product or course or whatever they're, they're teaching. So I think her like general knowledge is spot on, but like her just perspective, I'm like, I think it's actually important and makes it sustainable to you know, spend money on things that feel quote unquote frivolous mm -hmm. because that feels good. It, yeah, it feels good. And, you know, like retirement's important, but you also have to live for now because there's mm -hmm. no, no guarantees. And so there's, there's a balance. So that perspective, I, sh I shift a little bit 
from her. Um, but I do like how her, her focus these days is really like women and money and the ways in which women have been left out of the money conversation or been, you know, she talks a lot about financial abuse that can happen within mm-hmm. relationships or families. So I really do appreciate that conversation and that perspective that she brings to the table. Um, and then the other person that I initially read and I liked a lot, but he's just like, not, he's a, he is <laughs> this guy named Ramit Sethi. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's probably one of the biggest financial, um, people these days. And, um, you know, again, like same thing as Susie Orman, like his specific advice, like, especially around like saving and retirement, like it doesn't differ all that much from like either mine or Susie Orman's to be frank. Um, he is definitely a bro. Yeah. And he's definitely talking to other bros. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, sometimes like he's, just yapping away about something. And I'm like, oh, it is so obvious to me. You're not talking to women mm-hmm. or like, you know, people with kids or whatever, which is fine. Like that's not yeah. his niche and he's allowed to have his own niche. Um, so sometimes I think he doesn't necessarily see as much as I would appreciate the, again, kind of that broader perspective. Like, yes, there are things that are within your control and things that you can learn to improve your finances, but also there's these big systematic inequalities like he doesn't really address those in the way that I would like him to address them like like right now he talks a lot about renting versus home ownership and he's really touting this idea that like home ownership has a lot of ghost costs and it's not really all it's cracked up to be which I totally agree with like I I I, that's totally true. Like home ownership is really, really expensive. And in a lot of cases, many cases, renting is most people are much better, much better off. Um, however, mm-hmm. he never talks about the problems with landlords <laughs> and how they treat tenants. And that's a mm-hmm. whole systemic societal problem because a lot of that could be remedied through laws or different laws, right? Sure. Depending on where you live. And so I think that's an important part of the conversation that he's having, but he doesn't see that perspective. But in terms of like, you know, this is what an index fund is and this is how you invest in it. Like, you know, it's very simple. It doesn't, um, you know, again, like I agree with it. Like he's fine. He's right on that, but he just, he lacks perspective that I wish, you know, and I guess this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Cause there's a lot of people that are doing good work, but I'm like, but they're not talking about this or they're not talking about that. And so I guess I'm just combining some of those worlds together. Well, I think there's a responsibility. I feel that very much myself too, to talk about uh, how people pleasing is sometimes the best tactic if you are in a marginalized identity, you know, and you're in a situation where your safety is being threatened. Like, Yeah. yeah, people please your ass off to stay safe. Right. And so I think having those sorts of conversations to address that a lot of the advice that has traditionally come down the pike has not offered a shit ton of nuance and it hasn't accounted for multiple lived experiences. And I think that that's exactly what is impressive about your work. It's to say like, hey, doesn't have to be that I've personally experienced this, but I want to speak to everyone regardless of their lived experience. And I want them to feel included. And, and so I think as anybody, anyone who is in a quote expert space, there's a responsibility, I think, to understanding how that might be tweaked depending on what audience you're talking to. 
Yeah. And honestly, like this is a critique I've had around the whole like self-help coaching industry as a whole (laughs) Um, over the last, I mean, at least since I've been more aware of it over the last, you know, you know, I don't know, three, four or five years or whatever, where it's like, yeah, but, um, and I think it's also just a problem with, or not even the problem, but like the nature of, um, meme culture and only having 90 seconds to share something. So I get that, like, and I'm, and I'm there, like I'm, I'm there creating posts on Instagram where I can, there's only so much space. So I, I get it, but I, I, I do think it is our responsibility to, take even the little space that we have to say, Hey, there might be some nuance not might be, but there are some nuances here or there's some yeah. caveats. Um, because yeah, it totally creates harm when we're just like, yeah, you just need to like stop spending money on stupid stuff and save more. And it's, and, and to some people I'm like, yeah, that's probably pretty true. I mean, yeah, you could get more detailed about it and yeah. specific. Um, but for some people they're like, I don't know what else to cut. <laughs> it's kind right. of like that, um, conversation between like winter versus summer and like for me I'm a winter baby I'm a Capricorn right and so for summertime my argument's like there's only so many clothes you can take off and you're still hot (laughs) (laughs) and and it's kind of the same thing with like you know with a lot of like the standard financial advice it's like or like the Dave Ramsey's where it's it's like I don't know what else to cut yeah I mean like that's not the case for me but like for other people like they don't there's nothing else to cut and so more money is the answer. And for some reason, um, there's so many people in the financial space that don't want to admit that. They just want to say, no, you're spending money on stupid stuff and acquiring debt. More money is not going to solve your problem. And it's like, yeah, actually more money will solve your problem. And we Mm -hmm. learned during the pandemic when people got checks from the government, you know, like, like there were historic layoffs and, and poverty actually, um, went down. Right. Like it was less people, you know, I always get confused with that too. I know. I know (laughs) not risen, but like it it got better, right? Like there was fewer, especially children in poverty because there were more tax credits. There were more benefits, Mm -hmm. um, food stamp benefits, all of these things, like, like lo and behold, people weren't just like going to take their checks and like blowing it. And honestly, the people that were probably didn't even need it, Yeah, you know, but like more money does actually help. And I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't I know why. That. I don't know why like some financial people just don't yeah. want to go there. It it blows my well, mind. It could also genuinely be their lived experience, right? They could yeah. have been from a place of pretty substantial privilege where they did the whole the age old, I just stopped having Starbucks every day and now I have my retirement taken care of, right? <laughs> And you can too, as long as you have all the privileges I have. Let's talk about it through my perspective. (laughs) And so I think it could be that it is innocuous. They might not be purposely spouting off. They might genuinely believe it because that has been their experience, which is understandable. And I also feel very strongly that if there's a large grouping of people who tell you, hey, we're hurting in this way. All you have to do is fucking believe them. That's it. It's not the time to go, no, you don't have it harder. No, Black person, it's not harder for you to get approved for a home loan. That's not what I go through. So it can't be real for you. Like if there's a grouping of people that say, hey, being a disabled person, it's harder to get into the schools or whatever it is. I'm just going to fucking believe you. Right? Because 
you're the one who's had that experience, not me. And there's a massive disconnect in how we talk about that in the personal development space and the financial, pretty much most of the spaces. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I when I, when I posted so that Dave's Ram- Ramsey video on TikTok and the, I think I jokingly referred to it as the white men clutching their pearls. Like, yes, <laughs> they're just like, well, I just worked hard. I didn't take any handouts. And I'm like, cool, dude, you're white. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, you did. You just didn't realize you did. And, and there's also, there is a big disconnect. I think at least in the circles that I run in, again, this is my own experience. I'm seeing a lot of white women waking up faster than white men um, in, in these spaces. You know, I think as far as where we need to go, white men got a lot of work to do, a lot yeah. of work to do. <laughs> yeah. So, which is also why we have to fight harder for a place at the table and have to demand explanations of things or do our own research or take our own courses. So, I just appreciate so much that you're putting this into the space. I think it is such a bigger. It's a much more meta concept around our own worth and who women get to be in this culture, in this society. So thank you so much for doing this. Where can people find you and like learn all of the things? Yeah. So we've been talking about my Instagram. So I'm Veronica E. Grant over there and I post um, pretty much every day. I mean, I am going maternity leave, so you know, give me a little bit. <laughs> um, but then I also have a couple of resources. Um, so the first resource I, I have is a money checklist. And basically, it's like a checklist, you just go through everything and say, Oh, yeah, I do that. Or Oh, I don't do that. So you don't check it off. And then you just go back to the top of the list. And you just start working Perfect. You know, your, your way down. So I know, like, yeah, it can feel very overwhelming of like, okay, well, where do I start? Like I have debt. I don't save. I don't invest. Like, okay, just start with a checklist. It's fine. Like it, it goes in order. You don't have to do it all right away. Um, and then I have two meditations, um, for free. One is a, uh, a money scarcity meditation. So one to help calm nerves around that. And then the other one is, um, uh, what is it? Oh, it's a, oh, I love this meditation. It's should I buy this or not? <laughs> cool. Um, so you can grab the meditations at veronicagrant.com forward slash money meditations. And then the checklist at veronicagrant.com forward slash money checklist. And did I see something that you had a workshop going on? Yes, I do have a workshop. It's called run your money. And, um, Ooh. this episode will definitely, um, go out way after that. And I'm not exactly sure if that will morph into the larger thing I'm going to run in the fall, it's very possible. Um, I'll put it on evergreen so people can check out the recording. Um, so if you go to veronicagrant.com forward slash run your money, whatever I decide to do with it will be on that page. Um, but yeah, that's basically like the top to bottom, like let's create your own money system. We'll look at how, you know, your money story plays out and your money habits, but then also start with the spending and looking at that and then the saving and then the investing. And, um, we'll, you know, we'll pretty much cover all of the, the pieces that we need to, to, um, yeah, optimize your finances. So yeah, I that'll either that. be evergreen or it'll be something else, but it'll be updated on that page. Okay, cool. We'll be sure to put all of those in the show notes as well. So any final thoughts or anything that you want to share before we sign off? Oh, I always love this question. Um, I think that my final thought is, I think, I think we, you know, as humans, we categorize ourselves 
Right. And I, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode where like, oh, well, because I used to believe it's like, oh, like, well, rich people do that or rich people mm-hmm. behave this way or rich people investing's for rich people or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, with most banks, you can invest as a little as as little as ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for, again, most people listening to this, you probably can find ten dollars and you can build on that over time. But even just ten dollars can really add up over a long time, again, thanks to the power of compounding interest. And that can really provide some security for you or your family. Um, And a lot of people, like I said, obviously there's a lot of privilege. There's a lot of like passing down of wealth for sure. Um, But also Mm -hmm. a lot of people either become wealthy or they stay wealthy because they recognize like, oh, money management is for me too. And so they join in on the conversation rather than just assuming that it's for somebody else for whatever reason. So for anyone listening to this, for anyone with the privilege of having a phone and having the time to listen to this podcast, um, you, you probably have enough money to do at least a little bit investing and saving. And that that is just so worth it because that's going to help you take some of your power back so that we can talk, you know, that, so that we can create some of the systemic changes that need to happen that we've been talking about this whole episode. Cool. Yay. Well, I love that. Everybody, please go find Veronica and also on Instagram because she does these great little snippets, short little pieces of advice that I think are so palatable and helpful. And I'm sure by the time this airs, you will have quite the vault over there for people to peruse. So thank you again so much for your time and your expertise and and uh, sharing it with all of us. I appreciate my it. My pleasure. So Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Take care, my friend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.